so today we're going to talk about the last word. You know, it's always funny to me, talking about the last word, how you can get two or three people to give you their rendition of something that somebody said, or even was what, something that was said in a sermon or in church, and you will think, were they at the same place? Were they even in the same room? Sometimes in counseling married couples, you'll go, wait, did y'all have the same conversation? Because she remembers this and he remembers that. And so the words they hear just make a very different impression on them. And there's so much variation in the recounting of the event. And sometimes, if you're not careful, you can even get talked out of hearing or thinking you heard what you heard and start thinking you haven't even heard it. In the book of Genesis, God said not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He, he plainly told them not to eat of that tree. For in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. But when the serpent begins talking to the woman, see, another word comes. He says, you will not surely die. And so the woman quickly forgets the first thing she heard. And that last word she hears is the one she holds on to, even if it's the wrong one. Yesterday, I was talking to my son. He's 51 years old. He's looking at some new houses. He wanted me to go look. I go, I don't have time. I've got a lot going on today. And he goes, why don't you just come on? I go, okay, I'll let you know at 3 o'clock. I'll let you know at 3 o'clock if I can go. And he goes, 3 o'clock's too late, Mom. I've got to make an appointment with the realtor before that. So 3 o'clock's too late. And I go, well, okay, if 3 o'clock's too late, let's forget it today. We'll do it together next week. So I talked to him about two hours later, and he goes, are we still on for 3 o'clock? I go, I go, wait, I said not 3 o'clock next week. He goes, but you also said 3 o'clock. I go, but that's not the last thing I said. I go, I said 3 o'clock, but then later I said something else. That's what counts. And so, you know, it's funny how people can just grab hold of, latch on to the piece they want to hear. Have you ever heard two friends in a disagreement and, you know, everybody wants to be right? And so, yes, they did. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. No, they didn't. So one starts to walk away. Yes, they did. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and not, not just kids do that. Kids of all ages do that. Do you know that one study showed that for most Christians, 80% of their thinking is negative and actually in agreement with the enemy? Not in this church, though. And the enemy tells us these things. We have no value. We are unlovable. It's not going to happen. See, you can walk out of a service where we teach on faith, and you can be full of fear. I remember one time we taught on, on a certain subject, and at lunch, a whole group of people were doing the opposite. And I go, hey, excuse me, was anybody there this morning? And they go, yeah, we were there, but we're just doing what we always do. And I'm like, okay, then why are we even teaching this? See, knowledge without application is unfruitful. And so sometimes we teach on a thing, but out of our mouth comes the opposite. In Mark eleven twenty three, 23, what we believe is mentioned one time. What we say is mentioned three times. What you say sometimes affects you more than even what you pray. What you say can affect you more than what you pray. And what we are saying sometimes can negate what we are praying. But everybody still loves to have the last word. I heard this story. One wise husband was, uh, heard a group of much younger men, husbands, all discussing disagreements with their wives. And that in itself tells you they're not very wise, that they would be discussing the disagreements with their wives. Um, word to the wise, that's not a great idea. But um, he piped up after he heard them all talking, and he said, you know, I always have the last word in every argument I've ever had with my wife. And the young guys started, like, high-fiving him and, like, wow, they admired that. And until he told him what it was he said, you're right, honey, you're absolutely right. <laughs> in the Bible, much is made of the departing words of the patriarch of a family 
before he leaves this earth. In Genesis 27, Isaac's last words are to pronounce a blessing over Jacob. In Genesis 49, Jacob's last words are to his 12 sons, and he prophesied over each and every one of them something very specific. And so I think they held on to that. In Deuteronomy 33, Moses' last words are to give instructions to the Israelites to bless the 12 tribes and to commission his successor, Joshua, to, by faith, go and possess the land. See, there was instruction in his last words. In the book of Joshua, in chapter 4, he talks about all the victories they had, but then at the very end, he said, now take these stones and build a memorial. He tells them to take stones and build a memorial. And the dictionary defines a memorial as something that keeps a remembrance alive, like a monument. And the stones were a memorial to keep alive in their remembrance or their memory the victory that God had given them. And so the memorial was to keep alive their remembrance of certain things. And we do keep alive a lot of remembrances. Sometimes we keep alive remembrances of what somebody did to us or how they hurt us or that ugly thing they once said. Even though they've said 10 nice things since then, we keep alive that memorial. And so sometimes we nurse our hurts. And sometimes we're always going over the thing that went wrong. Oh, that just went wrong. It just went wrong. It just went wrong. So then we're expecting the other shoe to fall and that other next thing to go wrong. And so we're just sort of cursing ourselves by rehearsing our disappointments. God's instruction is very different. And he told the Israelites this. He tells us this. It's all through the Bible. What you did this morning, Ivana, to rehearse our victories. See, rehearse our victories. You know, that, that show, What Not to Wear? We need to show what not to say. <laughs> Say this, not that. <laughs> Say this, not that. And see, how would we fare on such, a, on such a scoring card? And so we're supposed to rehearse our victories, and God is not wanting us to forget what he's done for us even while, even while we are waiting for the next promise to come to pass because there's a waiting time. Cammie preached once, and she goes, in the meantime, and sometimes that time is mean. It's mean to us. It seems like it takes forever, and the devil comes with evidence and trying to make it look like it's not going to happen, and it feels so mean. But God has promised, and he is faithful and altogether true. And so he's not wanting us to forget what he's done while we're waiting for the next thing to come to pass. And a memorial stone or a monument is something we remember so that we can keep something from the past alive today. Alive today. I'm not really sentimental in the way most people are sentimental. I'm not sentimental about birthdays or anniversaries. Early in our ministry, we were always doing an outreach on our birthday or anniversary. We just quit celebrating them. We decided this is a lost cause. Uh, it's not going to happen. We're going to do an outreach. And, but I treasure little notes and little cards, and I have boxes of things. Alan actually sent me an emoji heart the other day, the first one in 25 years. I saved the email that had the emoji heart on it. Now, others of you, I get hearts all the time. That's just not his style. And so <laughs> I have notes that Cammie sent me. There's a little clear bottle, Cammie, one of the, your little Nalgene bottles. It has a note, we can see right through you, Lena. We love your transparency. I still have that. I probably got it in year 2000. You know, I saved those things. You, I showed you things I had from you and Angie from a meeting we had in the 90s. Okay, I, I don't really care about gifts or presents, but you better not mess up one of my photos in the Generation Jesus photo album. If one is missing, I, I mean, it's, we, we're going to search for it till we find it. And I'm not real big on occasions, but people are very important to me. And once I love them, I can't unlove them no matter what they do. In Joshua 23, see, it, there's a touching farewell address 
by Moses' apprentice Joshua to all the people he led to inherit the land. And it gives us insight into what he cares about, into his personality. And so it starts with these words, and I told you this a few weeks ago because I was reading it to Easy when I thought I was going to preach it. And Joshua starts out with, I am old, advanced in age. And I looked over at my 88-year-old husband, and I said, do you feel old? And he goes, absolutely not. <laughs> he goes, absolutely not. Now, my body needs to be a little stronger, but he's got a trainer now, and he's working on that. And so, and then he even went to Reach Stretch Studio, okay? And I used to think, what is this, some, some expensive thing for yuppies? No, it's for people who need, <laughs> who need a little more flexibility in their old age. So between his stretchers and his trainers, he's going to be just where he needs to be. But Joshua says, I am old and advanced in age. But then what he did was start to rehearse the victories. See, that's what you got to do. No matter whether you're young or old, even if you have two victories, rehearse them. If you have 20, say them. See, rehearse the victories. It sets you up for the next one. Verse 14, Joshua said this, not one thing. This is what I want to be able to say about every one of you. Not one thing. Not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you, and not one word of them has failed. Not one word of them has failed. Raise that hand, Cammie. Raise that ring hand. All right. <laughs> not one word has failed. I was visiting my spiritual mother three weeks ago, Mickey Winborn. She prophesied to me that when Cammie went out on the medical mission field, she saw not one set of feet but two. Someone would be going with her. And sure enough, before she does the first one, she's engaged to a doctor. So we got a doctor and a nurse, and they'll be on the medical mission field. And the word came to pass. He said a husband was coming. It was meantime. <laughs> it came to pass. It came to pass. Not one word has failed, Joshua said. That's what I want to be able to say about every one of you. See, and then Joshua charges them to keep, hold on, to keep obeying God, to keep obeying God. See, we can't go, okay, I want to rest on my laurels. Wait, what else did he say? He said that, but he said some other things. See, I can't grab onto this one because I like it and then ignore this one. Obey all he said. And then Joshua starts to narrate all that God has brought them through. Because he brings us through stuff. Then in chapter 24, verse 13, he delivers the word of the Lord and he says to the people, I have given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build and you dwell in them. You eat of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Verse 15, choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Verse 25, 26, and 27. Verse 25, 6, and 7. So Joshua made a covenant with the people, and he took a stone, and he set it under the oak tree. He said, this stone shall be a witness of all the Lord has spoken to us. Verse 29, and then he died, and he was 110 years old. I told Easy this. He goes, well, I'm going to 120. He goes, so 110 isn't going to work for me. Now, you know, a friend that I went to church with, in the late 70s that I've not seen since then. But on Facebook, you know, you can keep up with people. And so a few weeks ago, right before the freeze, he just wrote sadly on Facebook that his wife passed from this earth. He said, my sweet wife, 
My, our sweet sunshine was escorted into the presence of Jesus this morning at 5.15 a.m. And I was like, oh, you know, and I haven't seen him in years. I, I never actually met his wife. I just remember him from the church that we all went to, and he was in a singles class that I taught. He was probably my same age, but I was married to Easy, and I seemed older, and I was teaching all the singles, and they were still waiting on their husband or wife, and, and I just thought that was very touching. And then he said, all five of us in the family were together with her all day yesterday. And then he said, she loved us, she told us to forgive, and she said, rinse your plates. All right, in that, <laughs> I got to know her. I fell in love with her right then. I, th th some of her last words, wrench your plate. That gives you some insight into her. My sweet sunshine. She brought sunshine into their life. She was the homemaker. She was the mom. He had a successful business. You just knew a lot about her just from that little phrase. So I loved her, and I got a glimpse of her because last words matter. Last words matter. Easy left the house the other day, and we were having a disagreement about the color of our flagpole. This is what you do when you're older. The color of our flagpole. Alan went on our block. He goes, this block has a lot of flags. And I go, we're all about flags on our block. You know, and so I, don't, I wanted not that color, but this color. And so, and then he left to go do an errand. And I'm like, oh God, if those are the last words, if anything were to happen to him, and those are the last words I got to say about the flagpole, I would be so upset. It matters the last words you say to someone. And so Joshua was a hero of the faith. This guy that I knew in the 70s, his wife, Rencher Plates, he called her on Facebook a hero of the faith. But in Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible begins to recount other heroes of the faith. And it says this about Abel's obedience. Being dead, yet he still speaks. Being dead, yet he still speaks. I hold on to that scripture being dead, I am going to still be talking. Right now today, I hear Alan saying something that was in a teaching 20 years ago. I hear Cammie saying a, a, a phrase that I uttered years ago. I'm still saying stuff my spiritual mother planted in me. The scriptures that I say the most are the ones that she quoted all the time the first year I was born again. And so she's 90, what did she turn, Alicia, 97? Uh, she just turned 97 on Valentine's Day. But you know what? Once she goes to glory, she'll still be speaking through me. And I'll still be speaking once I go through y'all. And so, you know, that Camby got a word that she, all the things that she had in her heart, she would not be able to accomplish, but her spiritual daughters would actually do them. Do you know that? Being dead, we can yet still speak. And so I don't have any issues with stones of remembrance because we are people of short memories. And sometimes we need something to remind us. You know, when my dad died, there was a lot of discussion it was many years ago, uh, and, and there was a lot of discussion though in my family about him needing a memorial stone. And I cared nothing about it. I have never been back to the cemetery. I, I don't mind if that is your custom, and that's where you maybe want to reflect, but I don't go there because he's not there. And so I cared nothing about what was even inscribed on it. But I know that to some people that's very important, and that's fine. There's different traditions. But, but nearly all of you have heard me say, sometimes you have a want to problem. You've got to want to. That's my dad. See, my dad said that. I may never go out to that stone of remembrance, but that's a remembrance on the inside of me. And though he's dead, he's still speaking. I got it from him. And so that in itself is a memorial, a monument, if you will, that brings him to remembrance every time I say it. Joel Osteen, if you'll notice, 
I don't know if he does it as much anymore, but in the first few years after John Osteen's death, every sermon he would bring up a story about his dad, John. And he kept John alive through the things that he said by recounting, like John Osteen's word would still resound, resound, be said over again so that you could hear them again through Joel, through Joel. And in the Bible, we have the old covenant and the new covenant. In blood covenant, the most important teaching to help you understand the foundational truth of the gospel, in it, two become one by the shedding of blood. And we're not going to teach it today, but I'm going to quickly go through something for a, a purpose, for a point. Number one, we have the exchange of garments in blood covenant, your identities. Number two, the exchange of belts or weapons, you exchange strength with Jesus. Number three, the splitting of the animals in half and walking through the blood in a figure eight, which signifies infinity, which is an everlasting covenant. Number four, the cutting of your wrists and palms and rubbing them together, you are true blood brothers and, and you are one. Number five, you exchange your names. I won't go into that, it'll take too long, but it's in the teaching. Number six, you make a scar. Number seven, you have covenant blessings and cursings. Number eight, you eat a covenant meal. But number nine, you erect a memorial. You build something. You, you put something there. The last word in covenant is to build something so that it keeps things alive after you're gone. Dale Gentry prophesied to me and Easy in October of 2003 that we were going to build something in ministry that would last long after we departed this earth. John will be preaching when we're gone. So will Cammy and Alan and Kirk and Sabata and Chet. So, see, you will be prophesying to people. You will be singing court. You'll be having words for people. You'll be ministering emotional healing to people long after we're gone. And so our motto is, let's impart before we depart. <laughs> but it's not going to be anytime soon. He's already, he's already established that. <laughs> let's impart before we depart. But, see, right now, you need to think about this, no matter your age. You are building memorials in the lives of people. What do they look like? You are building memorials in the lives of people. People you deposit into will be saying things you've said. Resounding truth you imparted to them. And one day, being dead, you too will still speak. But the real question today is, so what are you saying? What are you saying? What are people hearing out of your mouth? What's being deposited? Will it be the person who goes, they never thought I did a good enough job. They always thought I was dumb. They, or will it be, they gave me confidence. When I didn't believe in myself, they said I could do it, and so I began to be able to do it. See, what are you saying? There's no lack of truth. <laughs> But, and we can tell people where they need to improve. I critique the preaching team. I tell them, no, 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 you went off too many directions. You need to. But what are you imparting unto people? See, is it destructive or constructive? What are you saying? Psalm 119, 9 through 16. Psalm 119, 9 through 16. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Your word, O God, I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. Not our judgments, not our opinions, not our thoughts. From his mouth, when God prophesies things over you, that's what I start to think about you. 
when Cammie looked like it was the last thing that was ever going to happen, she got a prophetic word that she would administrate mega meetings, that she would go on the mission field and children would be all around her. And I could have gone, that girl? And I'm like, that's what that girl's going to do. See, begin to believe what God says about people. Look not at the outward appearance as man looks. God knows the heart. He knows who will say yes, and he'll work with them until they do. He'll work with them until they do. Believe what God says about the person sitting next to you. Believe what God says about your spouse. Even if their behavior doesn't seem to line up with that glorious word they got. (laughs) Easy and I used to go minister, and he'd have words of knowledge for everybody, and Women would come up to me and they go, God, he just knows everything. And I'm like, no. (laughs) We go home. We're struggling to figure out what to do just like everyone else. You, You see, but God knows the heart. And whatever God says is what will come to pass if we don't let his words fall to the ground. And so we need to hang on to them individually and corporately. With my lips, I've declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes, and I will not forget your word. I will not forget your word. It's in these pages, but I will not forget your word. That you said last week when Alan spoke. I will not forget your word that, that happened at that meeting when Don Couch or Dale Gentry or another prophetic voice came. I will not forget the word that jumped out at the page when I was doing my daily devotional. I will not forget your word. I will not forget the word that in that song it just started being like oil in my heart. I will not forget that word. His word comes in many forms and fashions. I will not forget your word. But I will also be mindful of what I'm saying, what I'm saying, because no matter your age, if departing is 70 years from now, 80 years from now, 90 years from now, you're still imparting today. Today, you're imparting. Stand to your feet with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we will not forget you. We will not forget what you say. We will not forget what you say about each and every one of us, God. We thank you, Lord, for your words. We will be mindful of them in all that we do. God, we thank you that we will impart blessings unto others. We will impart encouragement and exhortation. No lack of truth, God. Sometimes there's confrontation, but it must be constructive, not destructive. And so, Father, we just thank you for your word. Your word brings light and truth. It gives understanding to the simple, God. Your word, we can walk in it, and it's a safe path. And so, Father, we will not forget your word. We thank you for the words that you've been giving to various members of the congregation the last few weeks. We thank you for the prophetic unction in this congregation. We thank you for that. But we thank you just for the everyday everyday direction that you give us, God, that's in the Bible, that's in Proverbs, that's in the Gospels. God, for that too, we do not forget any of your words, God. Let us be filled with your words in all we do. Let us hold on to them and let us impart daily as we go so that the kingdom of heaven flourishes with each step we take. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.